Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of No Wrestling. It's us here, your boys, Mark Sylvester, along with me always is the man that is Richie Filmer. Hello, thank you Mark and hello listeners. Mark, how the devil are you? I'm good, thank you Richie my man. How are you kind sir? Yeah, not too bad, just uh, plodding on as things usually do. Oh, just um, quite an interesting uh, show we've got this week. I know, yeah man, it's good. It's good. We've, <laughs> had a, we've had a request a request from WWF Superstars, May 16th, 1992. Yep, from our great listener himself, Nick Arpowinski. So, Nick? I think that's how you pronounce it. But if it isn't, let us know how you pronounce it. But yeah. Yeah, we've butchered your name. We are really, really sorry. But um, no, thank you for getting in touch. And obviously, to all the other listeners out there, know you're wrestling. Um, we are totally available to do reviews. As of Nick like asked us via the Facebook page, you can do the same. Just send us a message. You know, one of the admins, me, Mark, or whoever, pick the, pick it up, and uh, we will review any show, any network, any any network, any company, any any anything wrestling related. Um, we will definitely have a good stab at it. So, yeah, WWF Superstars for May 16th, 1992. This definitely was a big, big step back in time. Uh, massively, man. I think one of the uh, main things that I took from it was just the colours. Yeah. Like the intro and everything else, just the purples and the blues and stuff. You could so tell it was like late 80s, early 90s of all them. I've never done drugs, but I felt like I did watching this. Yes, I did as well, yes. I think because I'm in a state of, um, you know, you don't know what's really going on because of this COVID-19. I don't even know what day it is. Next thing you know, Nick's asking us to watch this wrestling. And I'm like, ah! All these lights. And the music. Do you know what the best thing was? Like you said, you've got purples and blues, triangles and squiggly lines. It's like the start of Saved by the Bell. And then you've got this country music. Yes. And he's just these big wrestlers and muscly men covered in oil and this car oh, mate, what a trip back in time this was. I know man, it was it was so much fun. So obviously mentioned that, but also to begin with, I love Vince Vincent Man's throat burner right at the beginning. Welcome oh. to Superstars. It was brilliant. And he was there with um Mr. Perfect. <laughs> yes. And they was talking about the curse, obviously, from the week before, and they was comparing it to Burger King. <laughs> You know, it was yeah. Vince McMahon talk about the curse, comparing it to Burger King, saying that it was quite a whopper, whopper of a curse, you know, and if he was going to be in a bit of a pickle and it was, I don't know where to take this because I found it hilarious. It wasn't even like the show was sponsored by Burger King. I and know. I couldn't see Jerry Laura anywhere, so there was definitely no Burger Kings on the screen. Did, was it just me or did you kind of feel the background was kind of green screened? Because I'm not, I'm not sure if it's because they had the crowd out of focus, but it felt really weird. It kind of felt like the crowd were just reacting. I don't know. It just it was like a WWE 2K20 background. Yes. <laughs> or the would have been worse if it was like No Mercy, just like. Oh my god! Yes. Or no, the worst one is Simpsons Wrestling. That's so bad with their crowd because they just stand still. They might move their head slightly, but yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. It, it was definitely a step back in time. Definitely. But um, the opening match was quite good. Referee Tim White uh, against Sonny Blaze, who was basically a jobber, against a very young Shawn Michaels. Who had his theme tune sung by Sherry Martell. Yeah, which is actually on Spotify. You can find that. Yeah. With her voice that sounds like she's smoking 40, 40 a day and <laughs> sipping Dran Bowie. He's just a sexy boy. I'm not too. Sean's got a much more, you know, feminine voice. I think. I think he yeah. done it. But and yeah, it's good to see. Did Did you see the amazing bit where you had um, Sensational Sherry performing the song with Kurt Angle? Oh yeah, that was great. That, yeah, the that best was, ever, yeah. best ever songs ever. That was brilliant. I'm just a sexy Kurt. Sexy Kurt, I'll make your ankle hurt. Ankle hurt. <laughs> uh, so good. God, they must have been popping in the back for that. Oh, yeah, uh, so I found with this show, I mean, you're you're gonna get it as we review, but it, there was a lot of squash squash matches in this show. 
Yes. And it was like a massive, massive build up to the next pay per view. There's a lot of angles. This is one thing I do miss with the WWF or E is they used to use their like superstars shows really good angle pushers. You know, progressing storylines. There was always it was always must see TV for the following week. And I think this show later on we'll talk about the main sort of like story arc, but you get a lot of squash matches in old school wrestling. It must be so hard to break into the business back then. They wouldn't yeah. give the job as anything. I know. Uh, but also as well, I like it because, as you said, it helps build up to the next pay-per-view. It's not why I find with nowadays in wrestling, they do the same matches far too much, where I kind of like with AW now. And to a certain extent, WWE, they're starting to do more squash matches to kind of build up to then the make the, the, the big shows bigger and feel more important as well. Because uh, if, if you just have on superstars like Randy Savage against Mr. Perfect, for example, it's like... what. I've seen this like four times when you have them beat certain people and they build up like they mentioned in commentary mm. against Bret Hart they're building up so that you want to watch that match as well yeah yeah that's one of the notes I did actually definitely take away from it at the end of the match after the sweet chin music and then the teardrop suplex and then a single handed pin by Shawn Michaels after a very one sided contest yes um, yeah Vince McMahon just put over the angle of um, Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart at this point, Bret Hart is the Intercontinental Champion. So, what do you, a, yeah, yeah. yeah what do you think about um, the fact that Shawn Michaels' finisher wasn't the switch in music? That that was one. That was one of the most craziest thing to me. Oh no! And it was weird. We've gone for sort of back in time where the super kick now is a transitional move rather than a finisher. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, so- I remember the teardrop suplex being Shawn Michaels' finisher on WWF Raw on the SNES. And I just thought it's just a backdrop, but obviously he hooks a hand under the in between the two legs and then comes up at a high angle and does the the backdrop. Um, yeah, it's weird seeing Shawn Michaels not use switching music as his finisher. Yeah, I know. But what do you think as well about the picture in picture? Like, I love the picture in picture of Bret Hart doing a promo and then promoting the WF magazine, and I'm like, I lo- I love that. It was. Oh, I missed that. I do as well, man. I, I was so good. Like a 30-second promo of these guys just uh, talking and promoting the next match and stuff. And like, yeah, I loved it. It was great. Yeah. The last time I ever saw that done was when WWE done um, Raw Old School. Do you remember? They, they do that yes. occasionally. They've done it then. I remember um, Dolph Ziggler cutting a promo while Mark Henry was coming out to sexual chocolate theme. Yes. And, uh, I always remember them. To me, that was that screamed 80s and 90s wrestling. Yes, I, I loved that as well. I thought, I thought it was so good. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was quite fun to watch, to be honest. And like you said, it's a lot more colourful. I like the way the crowd's lit. I love the red, yeah. white, blue ropes and the blue apron. I love that. To me, that is classic WWF. Definitely, man. And also as well, the length was really good too. It was only like 44 minutes and it went so quickly as well. So quick. And they crammed, because there was a lot of squash matches in, they crammed a lot in the show. Yeah. There's a lot of contest in this. So if you was in the crowd, you definitely got your money's worth. And I think squash matches can look quite real as well, especially like later on down the card, you'll see some big squash matches. But yeah, but Shawn Michaels opening the WWF superstars, it shows he wasn't really top tier. He was just climbing up the ranks at this point. Yeah, because this was around the same time he was building up for his IC championship when he beat the Bulldog, I think in October for it. I think that was around the same time the, the Bulldog left the company because of the whole steroid scandal and stuff. Yeah. Because he was the guy, the bulldog. He was the guy in the um, double, you know, the, when they had the small screen. Was it bulldog cutting a promo? Or was that later on in the show? Uh, that was later on in the show. That was against, uh, I think, the berserker or someone else. Because that was one, it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, man. And then we had the replay of the previous week. That's one of the craziest things because usually they do like a quick highlight, but this one it felt like we were watching most of the match again. Yeah, I, I quite I quite like that because yeah. like at least five or ten, five or six of minutes, and the Mountie as well. Mm. He was, oh, I loved the Mountie as a kid. He was even though he was such a a great heel, and you have to hate him. But looking back, it's just like I just think he's so funny and cheesy. You know what though? They say as a bloke, he was a pain in the ass, like a horrible guy. Like backstage, he was quite a bully. The Mountie, believe it or not. Really? Um, yeah. Apparently, he wasn't the nicest guy. He used to train wrestlers, and apparently, he could be quite nasty. Um, but yeah, Flair versus Slaughter. One of the biggest notes I've put on here: Slaughter botches a catapult. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He kind of like goes to jump and just sort of falls back down, and then the yeah, and then it's, a and single it, it, 
Yeah, but you can see how Ric Flair's mind just works quickly. It's like, fuck, this has gone wrong, but we won't make it look like something's been botched. And then he puts him into a submission hole. That's how good Ric Flair is. Yeah, that was good. He done like a step over, like a single Boston leg crab kind of thing, didn't he? Yes. Um, and then <laughs> the taser. Yes, the the 20,000 watt taser. Yeah, I thought it sounded, then, like a, sounded like a shotgun. Like, yes. Yeah. And the funniest thing as well, though, you would think the referee being distracted, you would think he, he would hear that look. Yeah. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I love referees. I love referees sometimes. I feel so bad at the same time as well because it looks so stupid. Because in that situation, you would think to look, to be like, oh, and then would have DQ'd Rick yeah. Flair. Because Ric Flair, like, 92, how long was he in the WWF at this point? Because he weren't in there for long, was he? No, he would have been there just under a year because he came around or after SummerSlam 91 and he left in January 93. Yeah. But the, but the funny thing as well, even though he was in the Federation for, a couple, like, a year or two, he was their champion twice. Yeah. But it was well, the hottest thing, wasn't he? WCW and then WA. Yeah. Um, and the territories and stuff, you know, he was the man, you know, and he always calls himself the real world champion. But, um, yeah, funny going back to seeing a replay like that. It's a shame they don't really do replays like that anymore. No, nah, not at all, man. No. Nah. Or if they do do recla- uh, recaps, it's only like the most like 30 seconds to a minute or they just show you this little clip and then this little clip. They don't show you the whole thing altogether. Yeah. Yeah. Also, as well, I love um, Jimmy Hart. He's such a great um, manager. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. He's well. all over this show. Jimmy Hart is like near enough in every other segment. Yeah. Um, he used to manage so many guys at one time. It was brilliant, you know. Did he ever manage heels and baby faces? No, he um he did, but he would only manage faces when he when he became a face himself. Yeah. Because he was Hogan's manager for a while, but then the closest thing it would have been technically would have been Lex Luger in WCW, but Lex Luger was very much a heel, but had the sort of like baby face thing, you know. Lex Luger had about as much charisma as a caterpillar. Oh, but he was a great seller though. I love his selling. Oh, ah, ee, oh, it's ish, ouch. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, yeah, I was dumb. It sounds yeah. like Mortal Kombat trilogy. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, for sure. Oh, dear. Or the old uh, WWF Smackdown on the PlayStation. You used to put him in submission. But, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, oh. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, oh. <laughs> God, that was an old crappy. Anyway, uh, we then pop back to Mean Gene in the studio. Yes, I really, I really like that. I thought it was really cool. That's why I, I missed that as well. The the, the studio on proper um, WWE WF TV. Yeah, really cool. And also, it's Mean Gene Oakland saying it. So you, I loved, I loved how Mean Gene w- it was so good that he can make anything sound and look good itself. You know, he was great. Yeah, he was. I'd get another Mean Gene. Yeah. He was a legend. He was a legend. He was, he was someone who would always put over and make the other guy who he's with look better. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. He gave a lot to the business, old me, James. Yeah. Bless him. Bless him. What you got next? Your next note. Uh, then you had the Mountie cutting a promo in front of a green screen with it. I'm not. Uh, yes. I'm not. I'm not sure this one if it was in front of his logo, which some of the other wrestlers had, or if it was just in front of the superstars like background kind of thing yeah it, it didn't look legit did it i think it was um yeah i think it was just a green screen of like an arena um probably shot after the show yes and i love the promise as well because you can tell it's only like 30 seconds to a minute and they're just told you shot these shots and slots you want to build up this match what are you going to say and then that's yeah. one of the things i love about promos in this day and age i mean then sorry is the fact that um they are actually able to say what they want to say off the top of their head it's not they have to follow a script it's not scripted. I reckon they had like bullet points to get across, and it was kind of like, well, with this show as well, like throughout like the whole review, you'll hear that there was a lot more of these little like miniature promos, like thirty seconds to a minute. There's hardly any in WWE now. There's like yeah, this anyway. Cool. But yeah, there was a lot more promo time, and yeah, you're right. You can tell none of it was scripted, and that's when the best stuff happens. Is when yeah. you know when they're not scripted at all. They might have bullet points, but loose bullet points especially for the mid card vortex like there was hardly any kind of direction a lot of these promos like, yeah we're gonna get you when we do you're gonna know about it what you gonna do yeah yes okay thank you for that back to ringside do you know what i mean it was very it's like the nasty boys promo later on is just like well they're on drugs you know it's yeah. <laughs> it and when you watch back hulk hogan's promos in the late 80s and you're like oh my god 
Oh, Ultimate Warrior is one of the craziest ones. When you watch him, I'm like, what the fuck is he saying? Like, what yeah. play is he on? But this, it, it's just so good because it, they're cats and stuff, isn't it? But how would you write that for someone? <laughs> you think, right, how would you write that down on a bit of paper? <laughs> <laughs> you can't, can you? No. Because that's, that's, that's a really interesting thing. Because when Steve Austin went back in 2000, he was, he was kind of like, this is really weird, but you have to take him a while to get used to kind of following more of a script because even then in 2000, they were kind of following more in the, in the scripting kind of side. It's a shame. I miss, I do miss non-scripted promos. That's one thing that did definitely come from this show. Um, yeah. After that, they go back to ringside and it's Barry Hardy versus Tatonka. I looked at Barry Hardy. I thought it was Al Snow. Did you? I, I'll be honest to me. It looked like Joe Exotic from the Tiger King with the hair. Yeah, but I actually had to Google. I typed in, is Barry Hardy Al Snow before he was Al? And it wasn't. He's a completely different guy. Oh, okay. I actually thought, God, this guy looks like uh, Jeff Hardy. But, um, yeah, it's a classic uh, bump and feed match for Tatonka. Tatonka being the big uh, undefeated face at this point. Yep. And it's during one. Of the, it's during this match you get the two-screen promo um, from Tatonka mid-match. Um I've got here two screen promo from Tatonka mid-match. Oh, so, it's about Rick, Rick Martell. They're building up that sort of like rivalry with him, him and Rick Martell because at the time uh, he was undefeated. That's it. That's it. But, uh, what, do you, what do you think about the commentary? Because I like the commentary, but I felt to me the commentary spoke too much over the ring announcing. And then I'm yeah. kind of like, who's this person? And then there were some bits where they would write down who the guy's name is. Some they would write down. Other times I'm like having to rewind and be like, who is this person? Yeah, I had that a couple times on this show. And I think that is just a learning curve. Because like, now, you know, like, even like the announcers don't don't announce their talent until the bell goes. You know, the music will start, then it'd be ding, ding, ding. The following yeah. contest is good. You know, it there was definitely timing issues and stuff. And it's, it was a bit like watching like a late WCW. You know, like, you'd have the music happening. Then you'd have, like, this voice in the background going, Who's who going? Yes. I think I think they just said Sid Vicious. Yeah, at the moment, yeah, there was definitely um, you could see the production wasn't as good as it is now. That's what gave it that classic eighties effect, nineties effect. Yes, the way it was just such a bloody mess. <laughs> it was such a fun mess, though. One of my favorite moments from the matches, I loved um, Tatanka's chops, and he did the chop from Brett's rope as well. I was like, yeah. yes, he did it from Brett's rope. Brett's chop. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. And I loved the um, like the war dance he does around the ring as yeah. well. That is such a cool thing. Um, yeah, so uh, he did, hits did some. You... Other- yeah. Oh, sorry. Did you remember him turning heel in '94 with Ted DiBiase? Yeah. Weird him turning heel. It wasn't right. He should have been in the face that they just kept as he was. Yeah. You know, he did come back later on, didn't he? Like a lot later on, like the last ten years. Um, he came back. I think around the same time that um, Jim Duggan came back in like 2005 or four, but he was on SmackDown, I think, at the time as well. That's it. Back, didn't yeah. really do much with him, but um, nah. It was kind of like this mid-card kind of comeback for a run kind of thing. I don't know if it was because of a 2K deal or something, but uh, yeah, I liked Tatonka. Yeah, I do as well. So uh, two-screen promo, and after that, Tatonka just um, runs around, does his chops, and then hits the Samoan drop for the win. Yes. What did he call the Samoan drop? Did he leave it as a Samoan drop, or did it have its own name? I think you think I think McMahon just called it the, the Samoan drop. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of weird, him using a Samoan drop where his character is a Native American. You kind of feel like he would use something more that is to do with Native America, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Or like, maybe rename it to something more sounding like that, you know. Yeah, like the Indian death drop or something like that. Yeah. You know, like something a bit more. But yeah, it's, we might be completely wrong. So if we had butchered that, that's no. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, Tatonka undefeated and Vince McMahon pushing Tatonka first the model. So again, straight after the match, you know, he's looking strong. He's going against the model soon, Rock Martel. So Vince McMahon again, pushing that angle, pushing that angle. And I love the build to these big shows that used to get from superstars. Definitely like the Stan Nights main event or the pay-per-views themselves. Yeah, yeah, they they done well. I like, I love that. I do miss that element of old school promoting. Definitely. And then next we had the WBF promo and Gary Driver. Oh yes, Gary Driver. I was like, yeah, I love this promo. I thought it was hilarious. And the beef. There was a lot of beef out here. Yeah, <laughs> the beef. The beef. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? All I've put is WBF promo was hilarious. It was. It was 
it was just a big load of steroid hungry sweaty oily men wasn't it yeah Vince McMahon's got a real thing for like bodybuilding doesn't he yeah he really does yeah really really does and I love as well he's like on pay-per-view it is like with yeah. Ice Pro and all this stuff it's... was it actually a pay-per-view event then for a bodybuilding competition yeah else did it do did it do well or can't remember I'm not sure I mean, who would pay to watch a bodybuilding competition? It should be just kind of like throwaway TV, you know? It's like, yeah, you don't pay for the Arnold Classics. Why the hell would you pay for the WBF? I'm guessing Vince wanted to try one of his experiments like he does. But, yeah. like, you know, I'm going to go into bodybuilding, you know? And then, yeah, because that's how Lex Luger first started in the WWF. He was on WBF, I think, for a little bit. Oh, and, yeah. I to research that. Yeah, because in what I uh, think in the next match that we're gonna talk about, I think they talk about how at this WBF Bobby Heenan's gonna present Lex Luger there. Ah, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I must admit, Lex Luger had a fantastic physique. Yeah, he is. Um, you know, just, he he really did have the best. Yeah, and and to me as well, it felt a lot more natural than other wrestlers. You you could see the the chiselness in him and the the detail in him and stuff. Yeah. Um, but you can see other other people you can see that that roid belly but with him you can tell it's all natural and it's uh, i think he i'm not sure if he's right or not but i don't think he i know he took some drugs and stuff but i don't think he ever took uh the roids though no nah, i don't reckon i don't know things the thing is like back in them days like i do a lot of bodybuilding myself like i do a lot of weight training like back in the 80s and the 90s they used to use a stuff called dianabol and the problem is with dianabol's anabolic steroid is it actually puts on a lot of water weight and when you take it, it's a it's not it's not a liquid drug, it's an oral drug, so it's a tablet and it really attacks the liver. It's really, really bad for you. But you generally if you take Dianabol, you bloat like badly, your face gets bloated, like you said, your stomach bloats, you become very spotty, oily. Um with drugs nowadays or like anabolic steroids, you can start taking things like Trent and that'll get you lean and shredded and big at the same time, a bit like what Lex Luger looked like. But I believe back in them days, there weren't such thing as Trenabol. It was just okay. literally Dianabol and that was it. It was all they had. So there's a very good chance that he was natural, but we could be wrong. But I'd like to think he is. But yeah. Hey man. And then next we had was the Berserker versus... <laughs> Um, Chuck Taylor. Oh, Scott Taylor. Yeah. Now, do you know who Scott Taylor is? Well, I do indeed. But they had him down as Chuck Taylor in this match. Did they? I, I must have. Because um, uh, the, the commentary were talking over his. Yeah. his um, and I'm sure. Did he say Scott Taylor? Like, oh, he did say Scott Taylor. Uh, they called him Chuck Taylor, which I thought was really, really funny because you've got Chuck Taylor, who's part of the best friends in AEW. Yes. Right. But obviously, yeah, it's Scott Taylor, aka Scotty Too Hotty, aka. The fireman. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> and this is this unfortunately was a squash match for old Scotty Too Hotty. Yeah. Um, got absolutely obliterated by the Berserker. Who uh, who actually was quite agile for his size. I quite like the Berserker. I think if he was given a either make the Berserker into a proper proper character or make him a more serious character, I think he would have gone quite high up because he was quite good. And I love who he used to go hus hus hus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did me. The look of him and the way he worked, a little bit like Bruiser Bodie. Yeah. You know, that kind of absolute animal savage, get to the ring, tear your opponent apart and just run off. I mean, he won his match by count out. He threw Scotty over the top rope and just left him there to die. You know, he just absolutely manhandled him. To me, it was just like, I reckon that was Vince's take on Bruiser Brody with the Berserker. And I reckon he could have gone a lot further. Yeah, I do. I find the funniest thing to me is he used to count with a shield and a sword. I was like, you know, you never see that nowadays anymore, the, the accessories. No. I, I, I love the old accessories. We need so accessories good. back, man. That's what we're missing. We're yeah. missing light bolts from cameras, from like the, the old school flash cameras, and accessories. Yes. Yeah. And some mad colours to make you feel like you're on acid. Yes. Do you remember the Warlords accessory when you used to have the stuff with the W on it? Yeah. It yeah. reminds me of that thing of um, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. You remember um, the bad guy? Yes, Lord Zed. Yes. Lord Zed. You know, he's stick. Lord Zed. Yeah, Lord Zed totally rocked. Yeah. Um, so after we saw Bruiser Bodie and uh, Scotty, Vince McMahon pushed the match against um, Berserker against The Undertaker. 
Um, so they're promoting a match for that. And then we go back to the studio with Sean Mooney in a newscast-style interview and El Mandador asking for support of the crowd. What did you make of this? Uh, I thought it was funny just to see Tito Santana like doing this. I was like, because I remember him like from many years before. Yeah. Uh, the fact as well they gave him a new gimmick. It's like, no, just keep him as Tito Santana. It's ridiculous, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. Oh, God. And he was like, you know, with the support of uh, the whole World Wrestling Federation, I'll do it. Ollie! Yeah. I thought, oh, flipping hell, what are they doing? Talk about, it was literally like watching Sesame Street. It was so gimmicky. Oh, yeah. Um, but what do you think about the, the green screen with his um, logo as a background and stuff? I like, missed that. Have. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It reminded me of um, WWF, um, oh, what was it, the arcade game? Oh, WrestleFest. Yeah, yeah, I love that game. Yeah, like, like they kind of, he chose your wrestler, but their logo was behind them. Yes. Uh, you know, um, uh, yeah. I like that. I miss that. Because I remember, like, um, The Undertaker's one, you know, with the hand. It used to be like that. And you say, he was, like, holding the word Undertaker. And, you know, there used to be a lot of that in the characters. You know, Stone Cold Steve Austin had one. They always used to have it. I don't think they have them really now. No, I don't think so anymore either. No, the only thing they really do now is their Titantrons, which have their logo. But even then, it's like, no, you should be behind them and do the amazing green screen shouty promos like they used to do. Yeah. <laughs> Talking of promos, we go on to the Nasty Boys cutting some bullshit promo, which looked like they was on cocaine. Jimmy Hart looks lost in the background, nodding his head like a Churchill dog. Yeah. That was fine. <laughs> so you got... You got <laughs> you got the Nazi boys shouting something and um, little Jimmy Hart sort of going <laughs> with his um, megaphone and oh god yes, brilliant. that was so oh, I loved it I don't think you could take any way back from. I, I, I didn't actually hear what Nobs and that was talking about I, I didn't either I just felt shall we promo yep you got my attention yes <laughs> he could have been telling us what he had for dinner I yeah, had fish no. I had chips and by damn it, I had mushy peas on the side. You know, and I, was, I was listening to it. Washed it down with a cool aid. You know, oh, God. Um, yeah, I've, I've never seen anything so 90s based in my life. Um, oh, mate, no, 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 no mate. That's, that's, no, that wasn't 90s. The next thing was proper 90s. It's, I'll just read my notes, yeah. I, I love this. I thought, I thought this was great. Crush wearing a ridiculous... Purple and I think orange, um, like what's it called? Like, it's yeah, kind of thing. He looked like a can of the grape Fanta. Yeah, I I be what bar, but he looks so much like that. I I love this. I thought this is great. (laughs) My analysis on this promo was crush promo in a scrapyard, looking like a rhubarb and custard sweet. Turns (laughs) on the car crushing machine and says it looks relaxing. He's doing this whilst wearing full gear. And the car feels like forever to crush. Yes. <laughs> I love this. This was so good. <laughs> like, I'm not being funny, right? If you was in a scrapyard and you saw a bloke walking around looking like a tin of Fanta, you'd think, what's up with this guy? Like, <laughs> yeah. Who wears full gear? Oh, mate. And, and, and that was during his babyface time. And then, he, and then he became the Japanese supervisor later on, but he was also part of Demolition as well. The thing is with Crush... Like, when you even look back at sort of, like, the days when he was in Nation of Domination, like the early days and stuff, that his career just went down and down and down and down. He, he ended up being like... He, he always ended up being like this biker dude, you know, like the yeah. typical Eric Bischoff Hill. And it was, like, crushed to me. He had so much personality. And he was a fun character, a fun baby face. But he, he, his, his career just kind of just dropped off. But he was in the yeah. industry for a long time. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he started in the WF not in the early 90s as Demolition and did this. And then, yeah, he was also part of Chronic with um, Brian Lee as well. Yeah, yeah, Chronic. Yeah. So that was an interesting promo. Yeah. Uh, um, do you want to take the next one? Yeah, next we have Jay Sledge versus the Repo Man. Did you notice the Repo Man's theme tune has a glass shattering? No. At the beginning of his song, it's like, Repo Man. And it's like the first song to use a glass shattering. I was like, oh my God, uh, Steve Austin stole from the Repo Man. <laughs> well, was it actually the same glass shattering as the Austin? Uh, it's not exactly the same one, but it's, it's a glass shattering. So it's, it's, it's kind of similar. Yeah. Do you know who the Repo Man was? No. Uh, he was Smash from Demolition. Really? 
Yeah, but he lost a lot of weight to be this character. Yeah. If you notice his tattoos and stuff on his arm, you yeah. That's a shame. Repo Man was more of a comedy act, wasn't it? It wasn't a yeah, real... Yeah. Well, a serious I, I love the repo man. I thought I thought it was great. I love his promos. Ah! Yeah, uh, I mentioned later on. I just think I think he's amazing. I love it. Oh him. yeah, yeah. He does actually cut a promo with um. Yeah, he doesn't he? Um, I've got on here. It's your classic. Uh, it's a squash match. Um, and repo man wins in two minutes using a sidestep single boss crab. Uh, but you can't forget as well. At the beginning of the match, he uh did a sneaky sneaky attack. Re- yeah, Repo Heel attacks from behind. Yeah, squash match for Repo Man. So it wasn't like they wasn't pushing him. I mean, he smashed the he smashed the living life out. Of, you know, Jay Sledge. Yeah, because uh, he had a match with Macho Man Randy Savage on Raw. Cause, really? Yeah. Do you know Do you know how it started? No. Repo Man came out and stole or repoed uh, because Randy Savage wasn't paying his whatever on the hat, um, monthly payments <laughs> or whatnot, uh, and stole the hat. And that's how the feud started for him coming out, yoink, and then leaving the arena. Wait, you can't beat it. <laughs> I know you can't beat it. It's, it's I, I love it. It's so much fun. Yeah, because um, I, I kind of feel like you need that sort of silliness in wrestling, but also the seriousness because it kind of, you know, makes it more of a of a variety kind of thing. You know, the only thing serious to me in this whole um, show, to be honest, which we get onto later on, is Bret Hart. Talking yes. about the IC Championship, that's the only thing that you can kind of take seriously at the moment, um, which I took from this show. Um, so, yeah, Repo Man wins, ties up Jay Sledge with a noose. Then we go back to uh, Sean Mooney in the studio. I've got promoting sports, nutrition and fitness. And then goes to some crazy redneck called Skinner. Yes, Skinner. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I remember Skinner. He had a match with, I think it was Owen Hart WrestleMania 8, but what WBF was, that was would have been for the, like, the, like, the Ico Pro kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skinner was a character, so he was like, what I took was like this weird Australian bushwhackery kind of style character, was he? Yeah. Did you notice, I wasn't sure if it was just me, but did you notice there was a weird sort of like buzzing noise in the background to kind of have it so he feels like he's in the um, Australian jungle? Yeah, like um, hoverflies, kind of. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was also someone who trained a lot of wrestlers as well. I can't remember who he helped train, but I know he's gone on to, I think he worked at OEW for a bit and did some other stuff, but he was quite, he's quite a big trainer in the world of professional wrestling, Skinner. Really? Yeah. I've never seen his work, or I can't remember seeing it, so I might actually have to do a bit of a YouTube thing on Skinner. But, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah. never really like massively like pushed or anything at all but he became a really good trainer but he's a good hand isn't it it's like you get a lot of good hand mid carders now um it was heath slater who actually trained with the rock to get him ring ready against cena when he came back yeah he was like yeah send heath down there he's fantastic you know good workers fit finley was one of them um uh there's, there's been a couple really good wrestlers that never had like the big big pushes, but they're like the workhorses, like Dean Malenko and stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So after we see Skinner, we get a Bret Hart. This is my one of my f- most famous favorite things from the show, to be honest. Bret Hart, IC champion, uh, talking about. I'm assuming WrestleMania eight. Yeah. 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 Um, and it went Sean sure Michaels. Yeah. That was a nice promo, I think, from Bret. Yeah, I do as well, because you, you, you can see in Brett that he's starting to become better at promos as well. Because yeah. I, I think, especially in 97, he was an amazing promo guy. Yeah, he, he was. So he was. He was great. I mean, it's funny when you hear him say, I've got respect for all the wrestlers, and I've also got respect for Shawn Michaels. Um, I thought, God, now this is all going to change in about three or four years for him. I know, it's mad, isn't it? It's crazy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. thing is, I love Shawn, I love Brett. And I think they're both not equally as good, but they're they're both got their strengths and weaknesses. And it's just a shame that Shawn Michaels ended up doing so many drugs and rolling with the click. You know, you think if Shawn Michaels would have been straight edge all the way, what would he have been like? Yeah. And I think that the screw job wouldn't have happened if Shawn Michaels wasn't such a douchebag. Because if you (laughs) listen to a shoot interviews of people, everyone between, let's say, 96 to 98 when he left, because uh, of the back injury no one liked him everyone pretty much hated him yeah yeah. They, but they could see how good he was so mm. 
put up with it because he was so good. But then when he came back in 2002, he became a lot more of a better person because of him becoming a born-again Christian. Yeah. Here is much yes, tall yes. besides the thing of Hulk Hogan. But then again, in the same time, I think Hulk Hogan's being a bit of a cunt as he, as he does. He wants to make himself the biggest star and everything. Yeah. And that's the, that's the only time I can ever think of Shawn Michaels doing the dickish things like he used to. Because mm. if you if you watch that match back, you can see how much overselling Michaels does, and it's hilarious. The the um, Hulk Hogan, yeah, Summer Slam match, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like he takes a turn back and does like a, a three sixty flip out of it and lands on his back and stuff. And Hogan's even looking at him like, "What are you doing?" Yes, which I think's hilarious. Which I think's brilliant. Because um, yeah, because the thing thing at the time that they were going to do it, where they're going to have that match another match and they're going to have the third match of Hogan would win and Hogan was like no I'm not doing any more, more matches afterwards and then Shawn Michaels obviously was annoyed because he had to turn heel to have this match and he was like well fuck you then and then did what he did so so I wonder if they actually generally get on backstage Hogan and Shawn Michaels I'm not, I'm not sure man I don't know I think too many egos but then I think nowadays they might do now because they both don't wrestle anymore but at the time egos were such a massive thing in that time because that's the same thing of Hogan and WCW because they had creative freedom uh, they worry so much about their spot and same with other promotions that they would do as much as they can to have them be the be all and end all where actually no you're supposed to be building up these people that's why I don't think WCW did very well because besides Goldberg who did they really make? It was all the old codgers. It was all the oldies with, with the West because they had to. They helped build up and made bigger all these different stars. Like, I know they had Bret Hart at the, t- at the time before he left, but yeah. Yeah, and I think Goldberg was crap, personally. I think even now, I mean, he nearly killed The Undertaker in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. He, in- he injured Bret Hart to a point he had to retire. You know, Bret Hart even says on that interview with Steve, Steve Austin, Goldberg is dangerous to work with. Yeah. You know. Anyway, um... We then go back down to ringside and we've got Glenn Roof, who's a jobber, against the big boss man. And my God, the pop, the big boss man. Yeah, I loved the big boss man as a kid. I was so happy when he turned face. And I love his theme tune. If you ever take a trip down to Cowan County, Georgia, you better read the sign. Respect the Lord in order to use some hard times. Hard times. Do the big boss man make a walk the land. Man, I'm on your mind when you're seven hard times. Oh my god, I, I know these lyrics. It's great. <laughs> I know how fan I am. I know all these lyrics. I loved his, um, to be honest, I also loved his attitude here. That. Yeah. That was a great theme. That screamed WWF. But yes. Yeah, this is. Uh, I loved his attire though. How colourful yeah. it was. And I also love his 98, 99 one because it was very different. To oh, Shield vs. Shield V1. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Shield V1 attire. Um, yeah, this was cool. Squash match again for the big boss man. Great match. Oh, he was brilliant in the ring. Yeah, he uh, was great. I loved his big boot. He got his leg so high. Yeah. What was his name? Leon Leon something, wasn't it? Uh, Ray Trailer. Right, yeah, that's it. Right, yeah. Yeah, Leon was Vader, wasn't it? Um, yeah, great match here from Boss Man. Um, he's quite an agile big man, isn't he? Yeah, massively agile, yeah. Massively agile, because that's what he, um, Jim Cornette mentioned in Civil War's podcast, that he would say that Ray Trailer was one of the most agile big men in wrestling. Same with yeah. John Penter as well. He was um, very agile as well. Mm. Yeah, I enjoyed the match, though, with Boss Man. It's one of the matches that, really actually got me intrigued i was like yeah. the pop you know everyone jumps out their seat and stuff and you thought you don't get that nowadays really do you but nah, not anymore no no nah. um afterwards what you heard a voice from the arena i'm coming for you yes I said was that papa shango no that was nails was it yes because uh, they were starting that feud and then yes and then nails um threatened Vincent man and then got fired and then was part of the case against Vincent Mann and they said to him like do you not like Vincent Mann and they were basically do you hate Vincent Mann like yes and then it's kind of like well you're saying this because you hate him so how can we take what he nails hated Vincent Mann because he felt he wasn't paid enough and then threatened Vince and Vince like oh fuck you and then fired him really yeah he was he was a guy with a really big like orange suit with like nails on the back of it yeah it was awful yeah and he thought he was it to be honest he should have been happy that he was working there let alone taking a paycheck yeah he, he okay. couldn't work at all in the ring. He was, yeah. I liked his uh, promo and his voice, though. It was kind of like that sort of, like, evil voice, you know? Um, yeah, he had, a, he had a good sound. Yeah. I mean, you can't talk your way through a match. But, uh, 
Yeah. And then we go back to ringside and they don't tell you which one of the nasty boys is going to be wrestling the Warrior, but it's uh, Brian Nobbs versus the Warrior. Were you a big Warrior fan in the day? Uh, I was back in the day, yes, but I was more of a Hogan fan than Warrior when I was a kid. Yeah, same. But I, I did like the Warrior, though. Yeah, so it's uh, Brian Nobbs versus the Warrior, referee Earl Hebner. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not even a squash match, really. I thought Warrior was taking quite a beating in this match. Yeah, he was, and the double teaming as well and everything else. Yeah, yeah, it's proper, you know, I was quite surprised. You know, if I see Warrior wrestle, I always think of him against Triple H at Mania, you know, that kind of quick three, well, two-minute, one-minute squash match. But this actually went on quite a while. I'm guessing it's different because the Nasty Boys were still, in a sense, being pushed. They didn't want to make them look too weak. Yeah. Because at, at the time, this was around the time where later on in the year they were they were going to turn on Jimmy Hart and then turn face because Jimmy Hart turned on them and with the money ink and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So far, they just how these different wrestlers and stuff were heels and now their faces or vice versa and everything. It's just, yeah. Yeah. All, all in the same year as well. Yeah. One of the funniest I, things I took away from this match, though, quickly, was that? when Warrior rubs the face of Nobs in his, you know, his armpit. Yes. And then Vince McMahon shouts, what a manoeuvre. Yes, what a manoeuvre, yes. The, the, the only, only thing I missed from this uh, broadcast was unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable, yes. yeah. Yes. Oh, dude, if, if we thought of it, we we should have done like a t- like a count of how many times they said what, what a manoeuvre to see how many it would have been. <laughs> I remember seeing Punk when he got on the microphone, Vince McMahon, he kept saying what a manoeuvre. Yes, oh, that was so good. Oh, dear. But um, it's all basically, you know, Taker's Warrior, you know, the Ultimate Warrior wristband comes off and this plays a part to pay in the match later on. Um, right. In terms of the show, this is the mo- this is probably the biggest story arc in the show, isn't it? Um, yes. So yeah, the Warriors wrist tape comes off or wrist support, which has got a picture of him on it. Um, he then takes the armpit. Uh, there's a still chair shot to the back of Warrior, and the Warrior kicks out at two and does your classic sort of Warrior, sort of warrioring up or hulking up. Yes. Um, to, you know, uh, power slam, and then the running splash, and then we have Shango walk to the ring. So Shango is Papa Mustafa. Uh, yep, he was also the Godfather as well. In the Godfather, so again, he's another long timer. He's also yeah. now a Hall of Famer. Uh, and I like the fact as well; it's his gimmicks were all very different as well. They weren't all very samey, so he able to um, to, to differentiate between each of them as well. Yeah, I, I quite like the fact as well when he when he first came out and took and away the wristband as well. If you noticed, yeah, yeah, back and then he came back again and then yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that was quite good. Actually, at this point, my my girlfriend was actually watching it. She came downstairs on her lunch break and she was thinking, bloody hell, what is going on here then? I said, well, he's got the wristband and now he's under a curse and she, she just found it amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was like, it's from the 90s. She did say, yeah, it does look a bit old, but it was brilliant. I loved it. I thought it was, I, I was literally, I was popping for it. I was laughing. Um, so Shango walks back to the ring and Warrior sails to curse as Shango walks to the ring holding his stomach. Yes. Okay. And then, yeah, yeah. And then adds these EMT refs or whatever they are, people trying to help the warrior backstage. Yeah. Then he would then fell down and then got taken out on a stretcher. Yeah, <laughs> and then warrior throws up custard over everyone. <laughs> yes, three times. Oh, over three the times. Yeah, he did it three times. He did it twice on the docks and he did it once on the camera. Yeah, if you yeah the camera, the camera like lens, you can see this um, sit coming down. I thought, yeah. I thought it was crazy. I thought I loved it. It was bad. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, that's the main story arc from the show. And yes. Nick, Nick, the guy that actually asked us to um, do a review, this was his main kind of like takeaway from the show. And I can totally see for why. Um, yes. it's a, it's, I'll never forget this. Because it's oh, very yeah. rare that you see the Warrior playing like a really, you know, he always used to play a, like a, hit, a, a baby face, but it was always kind of like a very strong baby face. And this is the first time that really the Warrior looked like he's at a disadvantage. Yeah. Is under curse, um, and it was good really that everyone used to say, you know, the warrior never really done much. Well, to be fair, he cooperated with his storyline, and I think he sold it really well, yeah, definitely. Man, yeah, I've been the most shocking thing that I took from it was the fact it wasn't the main event, wasn't the last thing that you saw. There was still another match and other things, which is one of the most crazy <laughs> things to me because nowadays they wouldn't do that. Nowadays, like nowadays, it would be whether it's the most important thing always goes on last, which I which I quite like because I, I like yeah. that aspect to it because then it makes whoever goes on last 
seem as important as that because even though the warrior is still a massive main event and stuff like yeah mm. but I, I did find it to be really cool and i like the fact with the curse they only happened when papa shango was doing his voodoo magic it didn't just happen in during the match as well yeah yeah because he, he obviously won the match and he was warrior was celebrating and saw him and he was like, i wasn't bothered but then obviously he got close to him and went into a trance and you know but the best yeah. thing was is when the cameras look at the kids on the ringside area and they're generally really scared and crying and holding their parents and obviously the parents they're still not they must be to a point they're not smart to the business but then they must know there's a little bit of theatrical side to it but the kids just absolutely absorb it and they're yeah. terrified like Shango and Undertaker and all these you know they actually generally think they're like these supernatural beings it's brilliant absolutely brilliant um yeah I like that section I thought it was really good so thank you Nick for that that's good yeah definitely Nick thank you I love that segment I thought it was one of my favorite segments or my favorite one for the whole entire show yeah definitely great um yeah, so we go back to the ring, and it's um, the Beverly Brothers versus two jobbers, I've got. Yeah, uh, the two jobbers were Jumping, Jim Bronzel, and Bobby Knight. Any relation to the Knight family from England or not? I think so. I think it's just the same name, I don't know. I think it's the same name. A bit like Barry Hardy. Definitely not the long-lost Hardy brother, was he? <laughs> not at all, no. <laughs> Beverly Brothers. Now, I, I used to like the Beverly Brothers. I did as well. I loved the genius. Such a great promo. Yeah, that's uh, Randy Savage's brother, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Randy Puffer, yeah. Great man. That's it. That's it. Um, now, the Beverly Brothers, they, they didn't work for too long, did they? Because they broke someone's neck doing their finisher, which they'd done in this match. And yeah. I was watching this match thinking, is this the one where they break someone's neck? Thank God it wasn't. Because um, uh, I, I think their finisher looks really cool, as you said, if done safely. Like, that, that their finisher that they do to win the match, I think is a great finisher. It's a great finisher, but someone broke their neck to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what did I describe the finisher as? I put um, lifting face plant. That's what I call it. Sort of like a bit like a, I don't know, it's a bit hard to explain. One of them just throws them in the air and the other one grabs their back of their head and just slams it into the mat. I mean, it's a cool finisher. I did enjoy it. It's a little bit dangerous, but um, it's a solid tag match. Beverly Brothers are sort of controlling about 95% of the match. Um, any standout parts in this match for you? Uh, probably just I like the series of elbows by Blake. I thought it was quite cool. Yeah, the finishing move as well. Yeah, yeah. And then afterwards, I quite like their theme as well. I think their theme was quite interesting. Like, do, 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 do. Kind of, sort of reminded me a bit of um a Castlevania kind of not like that, but it's kind of like that that fiddle music. It's kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean actually. Yeah. That character. Um. Yes, they did, didn't they? They looked polished. They were a good tag team, you know, good tag team to, to watch. I enjoyed them. They was a quite ahead of their time, I think, the Beverly yeah, Brothers. definitely, man. Um, they was probably quite old school in the fact they've probably been um, training for years, but I enjoyed their work. Um, after the match, after the match... Oh, you forgot, forgot the pitch and pitch promo by the LOD and entering because they're building up the match between them and the LOD. Oh, where well, they paint the guy's face? Uh, yeah, but then in the match, they had that pitch-in-pitch promo where they have Erring saying something about destroying yes. him, and then you have Hawk and Emma going, yes, or something. I, 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 the only, I was, while I was watching that promo, I wish um, Hawk went, well, because I loved him when he used to do the, yeah. the, the promo. I was like, well, oh, I loved Hawk as a kid. Yeah, Hawk was great. Yeah, that was the point. Yeah, I forgot about the split screen, but I, I just remember at the end, obviously, they spr- they painted one of the guy's faces like the LOD and called him Hulk and then put that skull cap on him. Yes, I, I thought it was great. I, I thought it was really heat building as well. And something yeah. really, like, simple as well. Yeah, simple as that. I mean, think if, like, Sasha Banks does that to someone, it would work. You know, yeah. just, just get them and paint their face or, I don't know. But yeah, yeah. The old school knew how to do it, and I enjoyed that match. Again, it was another squash match to promote the Beverly Brothers. See, the thing is that I get from this show is when you get to the main event or the main event but the pay-per-view where all this is going to sort of come to a head, mm-hmm. all the guys that are on the card look strong. You know what I mean? It's, it's just... Yeah, definitely, man, yeah. And the funny thing is about it as well, it was during the time when you had the Big Four, and you had SummerSlam like three months away, so I'm guessing it might have been for a um, Saturday night's main event then, possibly. Because, yeah, yeah. Cause a lot of facts as well... They only had four pay-per-views. Yeah. So each one meant something. Yeah. It's a bit like AEW. They're not doing monthly pay-per-views. They do them every two to three months, don't they? So yeah. It's, uh, dynamite's better. Um, so, yeah, you see that paint jobber's face, kind of like the LOD, and states LO sissies. 
and puts a skull cap on him. So that's they're called the yellow, the yellow S, the yellow, you know, Legion of Sissies. Yeah. Um, we then go back to Mooney, and this I thought was good. Virgil's promo. I generally thought his promo was pretty strong. Um, you know, he's getting the crowd behind him. Obviously, he's getting a bit of a push at this time. Um, and he's saying how he sort of appreciates his fans. It was quite good, I think, for the time. Yeah, because I remember Rupert Man as well was um, another wrestler who was quite... Uh, no, sorry, Virgil, who, like, back in 91, was always really big because he then left the Million Dollar Man. Because him and the Million Dollar Man had a big feud for uh, most of 91. Yeah, so this was quite, what, straight after that, do you reckon? Uh, would have been about, yeah, because they still had it. And then in 92, he had a thing. He was also one of the first wrestlers to wrestle Yokozuna as well and put him over. Really? Virgil was, yeah. Virgil wasn't a bad in-ring wrestler, though, was he? Nah. No, nah, he, was, he wasn't that bad. Nah, he was all right. But um, when he later on, he became a bit of a, not a, a dick, but kind of someone who's kind of like, wants you to pay for his autograph and that kind of thing or if he's making the eye contact from from him it's like hello that'll be 10 pounds please yeah and yeah. it's like and then, yeah because a lot of people used to resent that you know used to apparently would go around like restaurants stuff and if it's like a wrestling thing and be like to people who wants like a picture of me it's 10 pounds that kind of thing so yeah he's all about the money isn't he virgil yeah um but he but he has done some amazing stuff for AEW though yeah i was gonna say he's done a few bits for AEW, hasn't he yeah he's always been a little bit tongue-in-cheek Yes, like, you know, um, he was on the um, oh, what was it, living with the bubbly or whatever it was that Jericho was doing, where he was punching people through the camera. And yeah. Virgil got it, and it was like, well, I'm doing a bit, and he, could, you know, it was quite, you know, who's that guy? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's nice to see Virgil. To be honest, everyone always takes the Mickey out of him, but I never thought he was a bad talent. He wasn't the worst, but I think he was just the right. He was just a lucky bloke. You know, to be in the position he was in, and you know, given given the opportunities he had, and I think he wasted it really for being a bit of a dick. But yeah, that's my perception of it. And, and then we yeah. had a Reaper Man promo as well than Richie. Would you? Would you think about the Reaper Man's promo? Oh God, um, classic, uh, cheesy. Oh, I love the backdrop. We've got the old Corvettes and the yeah. cars and the, the fence like obviously he's meant to be out on the street um, I could never really take him that seriously Reaper Man but I don't think you ever was meant to nah nah he was, he was one of those great comedy characters who used to like do uh, but I, one of the funniest things I love about the Reaper Man is he's such a different character to Smash I mean it's quite funny to hear him like laugh and stuff but you see Smash and he's like this proper shouty promo I just I just think how different of a character he is to Smash as well which shows how good Barry Darso is to be able to make two characters completely unique from each other yeah, yeah. what did they break up Crash, you know demolition then uh, Bill E.D. Uh, had like a really bad um like what's what I'm thinking of? Um, well, uh, you know when people are, are allergic reaction to like selfish, and he was gone for a while. So brought in um crush, but then his um contract expired. But then he wanted the rights to demolition as well because he felt that he helped or created demolition, and then it was just more right. of a legal kind of thing, really. Oh, that's, that's one of the reasons why they'll never be in the Hall of Fame is because Axe is still, in a sense, suing them for the rights to the name and stuff. And Barry Darso obviously is good friends with Bill E.D. and he wants to, you know, but I do hope they will do. But then again, at the same time, do I really want it? Because after watching Dark Side of the Ring, um, I don't ever want Owen Hart to be in the Hall of Fame, even though, you know. Yeah, that was something that I thought I wanted for a long time until I watched that. And I was like, yeah. actually, yeah, we don't want Owen in there. I mean, his name deserves to be, but the, the fact that they would make money off his name when they're the reason he died, I can see what Martha's point of view on it now is. So. Yeah, definitely, man. But yeah, uh, back to the show. Good promo, but cheesy as hell. And it basically finishes off promoting about the next ma- uh, next show, which has starred The Undertaker, Money Incorporated, and Kamala. Yes, which I wish I really liked that. Actually, I liked the fact when even in the beginning of the show they were they promoted to you what's hap- what's coming up. Yeah, but like nowadays they don't do that as much anymore. It's kind of like I, that's why I like AEW and New Japan where they tell you at the, at the beginning of the show we have got this match and this match and this match and this match. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. well I, I know WWE do it, but they only do it really for the for the pay per views. But I like it when they would do it for any show, like next week or this week we have this and this match kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, later on tonight we're going to see the IC title defended such and such. You go, oh okay, cool. Like you knew what was happening, and it yeah. gave you a reason to stay. So you thought, oh, this is cool. But now it's a bit like, oh, if we just leave them in the dark, they're going to watch anyway. And I think that's not the right way to do it. No, not at all. So, uh, yeah. What did you, did you enjoy the show overall? 
Uh, we've still got two more things. Uh, still got one more thing, mate. We forgot the update on the Warrior. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought that's it. Go on, then. I'll leave this one to you. Well, I haven't got uh, a note for this. Well, I like the fact that they would like give you an update and then you want to find out what happens to him next week, which is what they mentioned about next week, like hear more from what happens to the Warrior and these other matches. And I quite like that where it's, they're giving you that bit to kind of like bite on that little bit of information to be like, oh, okay, then. So he's still in bastardated. But at the same time, we want him to come back healthy and stuff. I can't, and then he's yeah. match as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it made the it made the viewer at home sort of think about it as the last thing. Yes, it was the main storyline art from the show. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was good. I mean, I just missed that old way of doing it. But the thing is, I didn't have as many wrestlers back then, did they? So they was able to push people with deeper stories and mm-hmm. everyone had their own individual characters. Now, I don't know how many wrestlers are signed under the WWE umbrella, but... And also, as well, it was at the time where they had to basically fire all of their steroids, guys, pretty much. Because if you notice, Bulldog was out the door in the next few months, Warlord was gone, all the guys who were the Rory Magoos, as it were, yeah, noticed were all pretty much gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this is where kind of like the new. When did the when would you say the new generation really kicked in? Probably around um, after hope, maybe latest ninety two, maybe mid ninety three, possibly. Mm, yeah, that's when it became a little bit more serious because this was a little bit cartoony, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, but also in like ninety four, ninety five, they still had the very much cartoony wrestlers like Mantor and the Goon and Duke yeah. the Dumpster Drozzy, which is such a ridiculous name. He's not a dumpster; he's a, a garbage man. You know, it's like you should call him Duke the Garbage Man Drowsy, not the Dumpster, because it's like, are you saying that he's a thousand pound or a hundred, a thousand yeah. thing? You know. Yeah, Billy the Biffer Bumpton. Yes. <laughs> or do you, do you remember the goon, the, the ridiculous hockey player? Yeah, but do you know what? Jericho was worried he was going to get that, wasn't he? Yeah. Because his dad was obviously an NHL player. But uh, yeah. Okay, well, that, that does bring us to the end of the actual uh, superstars. What was your overall score out of five for it? I would probably give it a three. Uh, then the, the main story was really well done. I loved the. Um, the squash matches, but I didn't feel like there was a match that really stood out to me as much as like other matches, but I can see what they're doing for the show. But overall, I just, I really enjoyed it. I loved going back in the old time machine. Thank you, Nick, for requesting this for us. But what about you, Richie? What would you give the show out of five and boss? Uh, I would say I'd give it again about three. Um, it was okay. I think it was, a, it was a lovely trip down memory lane for me, like nostalgia. Because um, so I started watching wrestling really in depth after this, sort of like in the Attitude Era. So I do pick up on things like this. And it's nice to have someone reference like Nick to actually say, go and watch this. I enjoyed this. And, you know, when he corresponded with us, I said to him, well, what do you want us to really take focus on? And he said, the uh, the Ultimate Warrior segment with Papa Shango. So it's nice to get, you know, I'd, I'd like more of the fans to say, check this out, check this out, check this yeah. out. Why is wrestling good for you? You know, it's like what you always say, you know, what, what to tell people that do and don't like wrestling, why it's so good. And yeah, thanks Nick for that. I'll give it a three out of five. I like the story arc. I love the colour and nostalgia. I love the old school promos. I like the way the squash matches actually meant something. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was good. Is it something it that you would potentially maybe in the future just look at a random episode of like saying something like made event from the 80s or another superstars? Is it something that you, you would want to do again potentially? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I'd like to go back and watch this era a bit more in depth. Yeah, the early 90s. Definitely. So if anyone's got any recommendations to good sort of like, hasn't got to be a pay-per-view, like this was a normal episode of Superstars, let us know. I mean, yeah, I'll yeah, have to yeah, sit and watch or, or even if it's something you just want to see me and Rich just watch in general and do a post on our Facebook page about it, let us know or whatever, yeah. you know. Great. Yeah, it'd be great, man. Yeah, we're here for you. So if you've got anything you want us to look at, review across any of the promotions, any era, any year, hit us up on Facebook like Nick did, and we would happily, happily oblige. Yeah, definitely, man. For sure. Uh, before we head off, my man, anything you want to plug at all to the peeps? Uh, yeah, obviously you can find me on uh, Twitter. My handle's richard.filmer1. Um, I use that for my social media. Uh, see on Facebook we put the Know Your Wrestling which you can find us in the search bar um, 
yeah but like like we said earlier hit us up with any recommendations or reviews and we're we're check them out for you and post the podcast yeah definitely man uh second what richie says but don't forget to follow us on all different social medias like facebook twitter and stuff and don't forget to subscribe to us as well on youtube and podbean soundcloud and um, itunes mate and spotify as well we're also on spotify oh are we yes Oh, it's been fun, mate, as usual. I know, man, so much, so much good fun. And that was No Wrestling, guys. We've been your amazing hosts, Mark Sylvester and the man that is Richie Filmer. Thank you, Mark. Is there anything you'd like to plug before we go? Uh, basically just, uh, oh, how do you game I do my Let's Play that I do with Tony? Perfect. Yeah. He did. Uh, we've been playing Jacks too, and I've been met, and I, and we had a few other stuff. We've done some wrestling games and other things. Because the cool way that I do with Nick, I've done it where I've shown him particular things that he hasn't watched before. And with Tony, I just literally just link in anything with video games or TV shows, anything that involves wrestling. Because rather than sure. showing matches, I've we I recently showed him an episode of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show with Lou Albano in it as Mario, and he had Woody Piper as um with roddy piper in the episode so i asked why i like to do a tony so i kind of like do yeah. different things with different with the different hosts and potentially hopefully we might get a guest so if you want to do one yourself richie with your other half as a for a podcast and that yeah. kind of thing and you know it'd be really cool to get more of a sort of a like, community, with Nick, like a community and more of a family for no wrestling and it's cool man like yeah that's good. Really it good. feels like now we're actually starting to get places. We're, we're, get, we're getting people reach out to us and asking us to do reviews, and we really, really do appreciate it. And obviously, we've got so much downtime at the moment, being both on them um, furlough. So, Nick, if you've got anything else, or you've got, you know, tell your friends, ask them, get them to get in touch, and ask okay. them to like us and subscribe, and you know, just anything. Like we said, Mark does gaming as well as wrestling. I kind of just focus on the wrestling stuff with Mark. Mark works with Tony on stuff. So, yeah, we've got all covered bases. We're kind of like your uh, friendly geek squad yeah definitely man and also as well it's something that we're going to also speak to Rich about it yesterday promoting it on our Facebook page too to be like cheers Nick for your request if there's anything you guys want to request from us then go right ahead and I'll put it on, my, on the Twitter page as well and yeah. probably on the Instagram too and be like just did this podcast thanks blah 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 if you have anything you want us to request for us to review then be my guest you know it'll be good fun yeah awesome dude and that was no resting guys take care and always remember <laughs> 